right. Well, thank you, Matt, worship team, for leading us. I'm just going to turn off a couple things. That way I don't have a weird blue hue on my face. You're like, what is wrong with him? Is he going to, like, fall over? Nope. All right. Well, today is kind of exciting, eh? Right, eh? You're from Canada, eh? You know why they spell it that way, right? C-A-N-A-D-A. Some of you will get that later. It's okay. Not awake yet. Um, No, this is a great day. So first of all, uh, my allergies, for whatever reason, just kicked in big time last Sunday. So I'm all hopped up on Zyrtec. So you know what that means? That feels like I'm in a desert and I need 800 gallons of water. But thankfully I'm dry because uh, I would be probably blowing my nose the whole time and I wouldn't be able to preach. So, you know. But then also it's great to have my big brother here, Eric. He's a pastor up in Manistee, Michigan. And uh, this is the first time he gets to hear me preach. So, yeah. That's great. Everything's not working today. No, that's okay. Uh, yes, it's awesome. Well, we are in Genesis chapter 16. If you want to go there in your uh, Bibles, Genesis chapter 16, we're going to continue our trek, our journey through Genesis, of course, a couple more weeks of that. But it's been good uh, to be uh, reminded of God's work in people's lives as they learn to walk by faith. Yes, because that's what we need to learn walking by faith, step by step, day by day. So last week, Greg's message was about God's cure for fear, doubt, and discouragement. And uh, as he was preaching, I remember taking notes and thinking about just these couple things. How amazing God's patience, his love, his grace, and even his encouragement that he gave repeatedly to Abram. To this point, God has met specifically with him four times. First time, he says, uh, Abram, I want you to go. I want you to leave this place where you're at in Haran. You are uh, not where I want you to be. I want you to follow me. Just go, and I'll tell you when to stop. And so he does that. Then also, uh, God comes to Abram, and he says, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to make you into a great nation Then he comes and he says, I'm going to give this land to you, this land of Canaan. And then, finally, we looked last week, he comes to Abram in his fear and in his doubt and in his discouragement, and he makes a blood covenant with Abram. And as I thought about that, I was like, what an amazing moment for Abram. Can you imagine What a spiritual high he must have been on. Moses recorded that Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Right? Talk about an amazing moment, a life-changing moment. And Greg reminded us of these verses. I just want to go back to them. Romans 4, 3 through 5 says, For what does the Scripture say? Abram believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. 
Then Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, he says, So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. And then one, one more, Titus 3.7, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs, praise the Lord, yes, according to the hope of eternal life. An amazing moment, an amazing time. And maybe you can think back through different moments in your life, maybe in church, maybe reading a, a, a book, maybe doing your own personal devotion, maybe you heard a worship song or a song on the radio, and you had this moment, this connection with your Savior, and you just felt so close. Almost like, I remember uh, one time, Debbie and I, we were at our first church, and most powerful moment, we were, it was late at night, I can't remember, we, we, we got in bed and it was just a beautiful starry night and, and we went to the window and we're standing there in the windowsill just looking at how bright it is, how beautiful it is. And do you remember, Debbie, we started talking about Jesus coming back for like an hour just being awed by his beauty, by his power, and thinking, what if he came tonight? Wouldn't that be awesome? And we're just like, it was amazing. I never forget just the closeness that I felt with Debbie, the closeness that I felt with God, my creator, my savior. Do you remember the song we sang last week at the end? Anybody remember that? I know Matt does. It's the song we just sang. And as we finished, and as I was thinking about what God did for Abram by having that blood covenant with him, and actually reinforcing and bolstering his faith, we got to that point where it says, lover of my soul, I want to live for you. And I was wrecked. Lover of my soul, I want to live for you. Help me, choir. Lover of my soul, I want to live for you. One more time. Lover of my soul, I want to live for you. Next week we'll have choir practice. And I just remember thinking, wow, what must it have been for Abram to wake up the next day ready to go? So how did you do the next day? When you woke up, how did I do the next day? What happened when Tuesday came, when Wednesday came, when Thursday came? Maybe yesterday, right? Were we able to walk by faith as we lived this relationship with our God, our Creator, our Savior, our Redeemer 
who has justified us because we have put our faith in Christ and what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 32. This is at the very end of uh, the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible. It's what Moses wrote, and he, uh, in, in this, is the, the children of Israel are getting ready to go into the promised land. They haven't gotten in there yet, and Moses writes this song in Psalm 32. And he has all the people gathered, and he starts singing or reciting this song. And he begins talking about some interesting things. He talks about how they have been. Um, God has rescued them. He redeemed them from Egypt. And how have you been living? Uh, and what has God done for you? And then he kind of turns and in, you know, maybe the final verse, he says, this is how it's going to be when you get into the promised land. You're going to fail miserably. And when you do that, this is what God's going to do. And when he does those things, you're going to come back to him. And it's interesting, when he gets to the very, he finishes, and this is what he says to the people. Look at it. It's verses 45 through 47. He says this. When Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you. These aren't just empty words. These aren't just good stories to tell each other. These aren't just allegories. He goes on, he says, but your very life. These words that I am giving you, these first five books, these are to be like your life, like water is to fish, like air is to us. They're your life. And by this word, you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. Moses is like, these, these words, these books, they are meant to help you understand your God and yourself. They will help you know how to walk by faith with your creator God. And so let's go ahead and jump into our uh, passage um, from these writings inspired by God to give us life. Amen? Let's look at it. Genesis chapter 16. It says this. Okay, now I'm just going to give you a, a quick... I'm going to probably say these names different ways all throughout. Okay, if you ever want to learn how to say a name, go to blueletterbible.org. You can go into these different settings, interlinear Greek, and you can hear a guy allegedly say them right. Okay, but, so, says this. <laughs> now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar, or Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go in to my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, 
and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. Let's pause. So Abram has been in Canaan for 10 years. And we've seen that he's been there, he's gone to Egypt, he's come back. When God called him, he was 75. So he's 80, 81, 82, 83, 84. God has made all these promises and nothing has happened. Nothing. He's been faithful. He's been present. And Abram's been trying to walk by faith, hasn't he? We've seen it. He's tried to trust. But we've also seen him fail. We've seen him go to Egypt. We've seen him come back home. He's lied. He's been afraid. But boy, he has worshipped God. He has worshipped God. The children of Israel, as they are reading this, are thinking to themselves, we are just like Abram. We are. Here's the thing. We are just like Abram. Yes? We are. And the message of Genesis is the beginning of God's interaction with his creation. He wants us. Why? He created us to be in relationship with him. And he's jealous when we go our own way. He's jealous. Why? Because he wants what is best for us. He wants us to have a relationship with him. And in the story of Abram, we see that God wants a relationship with Abram. God is fulfilling his promise he made to Adam, Eve, and the serpent through Abram. And God is fulfilling this. And I want you to see the overarching theme, I think, for me, as I'm looking at it and thinking about this and, and then thinking about what Greg has been preaching is this. Here you go, you ready? God wants us. Have you ever thought about that? God wants you. He loves you. And he has moved mountains. He has pursued us and provided for us what we need to be in relationship with him. And so this morning, we're going to look at several things that we can do and what we need to know as we understand this reality that God wants us. And here's the first one. God wants us to walk by faith, not by sight. God wants you and me to walk by faith and not by sight. Sarah, she looked around. It's been about a decade. And she's like, um, no baby. I'm not getting pregnant. God is preventing me. And so she decides to make a plan. She's looking around. And she's like, okay, let's see here. Hagar, she's young. Um, people in other nations around us in Haran, they would, if, if, if ladies weren't having uh, babies, um, they were barren. They would um, give their husband another wife and he would marry them and, and then they could have kids and then the, the husband has an heir, okay? So surrogacy is, is, is an option. And so she's looking at this and she goes, um, hey, Abram, come here, tell me what you think. You know, this is just like Adam and Eve. 
the original readers would have, I think, picked up on this on some level. Right? Adam and Eve are in the garden. God tells them to trust him to do what his, his word, take care of the garden, multiply, be fruitful. And Eve looks around, and a serpent comes. And she's like, huh, that does look good. I know God's plan, but, huh. Hey, hey, Adam, tell me what you think. Right? And they could think of themselves. The Lord has said, hey, I want you to follow Moses. He's my, my leader. He's going to lead you and guide you to the promised land. This is what he's going to do. He's going to provide for you. He's going to provide water from a rock. Birds are going to fall from heaven. You're going to have bread from heaven. And they're like, eh, we have another plan. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back. They got lots of come and goes. And quick stars, they're new there. They got everything at quick star. Right? So, here we go. Genesis 16. Let's go on. Verses 4 through 6. What happens? Well, they, they walk by sight. So, it says, verse 4, he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. <laughs> he went into Hagar, and she conceived. It worked. It worked. Their plan worked. We can't, we can't pass that up too quickly. Can you imagine? Abram is like, hey, wow. But things quickly go south. And they start to blame each other. Remember Adam and Eve? Right? It wasn't the best plan. Abram didn't have to go along with it. You know that? He didn't have to. He had the same opportunity as Adam. He could have said, nope. Bad plan. We're not doing that. We're going to obey God. We're going to trust God. He's promised me multiple times. Each time, it seems like his promise kind of gets a little bigger. He, we have a blood covenant sacrifice with him. I mean, he has made a significant covenant with us. No, we're not going to do that. He could have done that. Just like Adam could have said, no, Eve, no, we're not going to eat the fruit. How things would have been different. Let's go on. She looked with contempt on her mistress, verse 5, and Sarai said to Abram, <laughs> Oh, goodness. No, she didn't say that. But May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. Verse 6, but Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Hello, she's your servant. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. So it's interesting, we, 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 we have this interaction that takes place, and you're just kind of like, whoa, what is going on? And they start blaming each other. They start getting frustrated with each other. And he's like, whose idea was it? Was it my idea? And she's like, well, you didn't have to go along with it. I mean, 
she had a point. Wow. Things go south when we walk by sight and not by faith. They may work for a little while. I mean, I got to be honest with you, sometimes they work for a little while. But odds are super high. If they haven't yet, at some point, when we don't walk by faith, something's going to happen. And it's going to go south. So let's go on. Walk by faith, not by sight. Here, what happens? 7 through 11, the angel of the Lord found Hagar by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. This is interesting, the angel of the Lord. This is the first time we see this in the Bible. Who is this angel of the Lord? Well, one of two things. One, an angel of the Lord. And I didn't even have to read a commentary to see that. Okay, it could be just an angel sent by God to go and comfort and encourage Hagar and to give him his word. But also, commentators really think, as we see this in the Old Testament, this could very well be and probably is Jesus Christ pre-incarnate before he comes and dwells among us, John 1. So it could be, at the very least, it's an angel. But it could be the pre-incarnate Jesus coming to Hagar. We have to understand the importance and significance of that when we think of this also, that Hagar is on her way back to Egypt. She's like, I'm out of here. So, verse 8, the angel of the Lord said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And that is the inspiration for the song Cotton Eye Joe. Just want to see if you're listening. You get it? Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Cross that off for next time. Right? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. Verse 10, the angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely, this is pretty cool, multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. Go on, verse 12. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. And this is where we see the second point. God wants us uh, to walk by faith, not by sight. God wants us to know he hears our cries for help. He wants us to know he hears our cries we have a period of walking by faith, but Monday comes, Tuesday comes, sickness comes, job problems come, marriage problems come. You get that phone call. You get that email. You get that pain in your side. Poor Hagar. 
my, as I was getting ready and thinking about this, I just began to, to think of how Hagar must have felt. Hagar likely was picked up by Abram and Sarai when they went to Egypt. She's from Egypt. That kind of makes sense. And here she was, taken from her homeland, from her family, tons of unknowns, tons of fear. And then she begins, I think, to realize that her master, Abram, is a good man. He's a good man. And what he does kind of turns to gold. He, he's really good at things. And something or someone is blessing him. And he talks a lot about this God named Yahweh. And, huh, and, and she starts to see this. He begins to take care of her. He is a protector. She learns what we learned a couple weeks ago. He is a warrior. He could take 318 guys and go and defeat an army. Then somehow, this slave from Egypt becomes his wife. <laughs> and then she gets pregnant. Things are looking really good for her. Have you ever thought about that? God wants us to know he hears our cries for help. Here's one of my favorite scripture passages. It's Psalm 121. It says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you down, strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going in, your going out, and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Did you catch that? God does not get tired. He doesn't. He does not go to sleep on the job. He doesn't go on vacation. And it's no small thing that God comes to a woman from Egypt. And as Moses' people are reading this, they're thinking, bad guy, bad guy, bad guy, she's from Egypt. God is merciful to whoever he chooses to be merciful to. And we're going to see that Hagar plays an important role in God's plan. He hears her cry for help. You, you may this morning be, feel out of place. You may feel that you don't fit in. You may feel completely lost. Life may be completely upside down. You may be caught in other people's drama like Hagar. Or you might be caught up, guess what, in your own drama. <laughs> but you are here this morning so that you can hear and understand that God wants you to know he hears your cries for help. Did you notice what Hagar is supposed to call her son? Look at it. Genesis 16, 11. Angel of the Lord comes to her, says, Behold, you're pregnant, shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. Ishmael means God hears. God hears. Every time 
Hagar called out for her son, she would say, God hears. God hears. It's time to wake up, brush your teeth. God hears. Hurry up. Let's come on down and eat breakfast. God hears. It's lunch. It's supper. Okay, let's take the blankets and put them around your neck. It's time to go to bed. God hears. Isn't that powerful? Every time Ishmael heard his name, he heard God hears. Now, Ishmael had to walk his own journey, and he did. His descendants did not follow God. But that doesn't change the beauty of what his name means. <laughs> but Moses goes on, check out verse 13. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Bear Lahoy Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Barad. God wants us to walk by faith, not by sight. He wants us to know he hears our cries for help. And guess what? He also wants us to know he sees our difficult circumstances. He sees them. He sees us where we are. They go together. So Genesis 16:15, she went back. She obeyed. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. So here are some other things I think God wants us to know from this passage, okay? Let's, let's look at it. Here's the next thing. God wants us to trust he is with us. He is with us. When Hagar learned that God had heard her in her distress, and she figured out that he's a God who sees her in her difficult circumstances, she made the connection, he is with me. The God who was with Abram is with me. That is big. He would be with her. He would give her many descendants. God wants us to trust he is with us. Have you ever seen this little verse, Hebrews 13, 5? The writer says, keep your life free from love of money. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I've been studying uh, the book of Isaiah this, this week. And in Isaiah, it's interesting because in Isaiah, um, right out of the gate in chapter 1, <laughs> he, he's speaking through Isaiah to the people of Judah, uh, to Jerusalem, and he calls them, he says, you are my stubborn, rebellious children. And he starts saying, but I love you. I want, I, I've made a covenant with you. I want to be faithful to you. And he starts giving them signs and promises. And we get to chapter 7 and he says, behold, Isaiah's like, behold, a virgin will conceive and give birth. And he's, he's talking about his wife there as well as Mary and Jesus. And his name will be called what? Do you remember? Emmanuel, God is with us. And he goes on and he just starts talking to them. And there comes a point in the middle, right around 39, 40, 41, where God 
comes to Isaiah and he says, I need you to start comforting my people with the hope and the truth that I am going to rescue them and I am with them. Look at what he says in Isaiah 43. I just got blown away by this. He says, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you rock, walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from east and west. I will say to the north and south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. God wants us to know, or to, he wants us to trust he is with us. And here's the last thing. God wants us to know his plans cannot be undone. They cannot be undone. Can I say it one more time? God's plans cannot be undone. It doesn't matter if you walk by sight and not by faith. It doesn't matter if you go your own way and rebel. God, his plans cannot be undone. Abram and Sarai did not mess up God's plan. They did bring a lot of grief to their lives. They did bring a lot of pain. But they did not wreck God's plan. If we go on, uh, we, we, we kind of think about this. Hagar leaves. And Abram and Sarai are like, uh-oh, the heir is gone. She took him. We don't know where she's going, right? She comes back, Ishmael is born, and as far as in this, in the point, in this point of the, the text, as far as Abram is concerned, he has his heir back, right? He has a son. God promised that he would have a son, and he would make him into a great nation. Now, we will learn that Ishmael is not the son of promise. He is not. But at this point, as far as Abram is concerned, he has an heir. We know God's plan is not undone because of what happens just a little later in Genesis, and we're going to see it in the next one and two weeks coming. So God wants us to know his plans cannot be undone. It's interesting how God works. So remember, we just looked at Isaiah 43. That was this week in my devotion time. Here you go. Let's look at a couple more verses. Verse 10 of Isaiah 43 says, But you are my witnesses, O Israel, says the Lord. You are my servant. You've been chosen, catch this, to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. There is no other God. There never has been, and there never will be. 
I, yes, I am the Lord, all capitals. I am Yahweh. And there is no other, what? Savior. First, I predicted your rescue. Then I saved you and proclaimed it to the world. No foreign little g God has ever done this. You are witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. From eternity to eternity, I am God. Check this out. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand. Let that sink in. No one can undo what I have done. <laughs> Remember, this is God comforting his people. They've gone into the land. They haven't lived by Moses' words of life. They've made their own plans. They've walked by sight instead of faith. And God is like, look, you're my stubborn children. I love you. But you cannot undo what I have done no matter what you do. You just can't. I'm God. There's no one else like me. Sometimes God's word reads like a reality TV show, doesn't it? It's like, holy man. But God wants us to know that he wants us and he loves us and he wants what's best for us. He wants us to know his plans can't be undone. So, as I've been studying this week, my mind keeps going back to this scripture, and I just want to close with this. It's becoming one of my favorite passages. Because I look at Abram's life, I look at my life, I look at Adam, I look at my life, I look at Joseph, I look at my life, I look at David, I look at my life. And it, the, this, if, if I were ever to get a tattoo, I would probably get it from this passage as a reminder. Here you go, Psalm 103. I'm gonna, we're going to let all that I am, this is what David said, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives me all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate. He's merciful. He's slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He, listen to this, does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. Why? For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. How high can you go? You cannot go high enough. He has 
removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Check this out. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows, and we are gone, as though we had never been here. God knows we are dust, but he wants us. He loves us, not because of anything we bring to the table, not because of any good things we do. It's because he has made a blood covenant with you and with me through his son, Jesus Christ. And he wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? He wants us to know he hears our cries for help. He wants us to know he sees our difficult circumstances. He wants us to trust he is with us and he wants us to know that even if we fail to do all those things, his plans cannot be undone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. Thank you for the things we can learn in your word. Help us to take them to heart. Help us as we continue to learn to walk by faith. There are even some here today who haven't started walking by faith with you. They haven't put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for their salvation. I pray that something that was said this morning would stir them, stir them to understand how great your love is for them and, and how their sin separates from them from you. But you have made a covenant through Jesus Christ to bring them to you. I pray that they would come to that realization. And I pray that for those who are here this morning, those of us who are here this morning and we've gone our own way and we've been living life by our own plans and living life by sight, I pray that we would return, that we would come back and we would rest in your love. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.